Talking Backwards is an independently produced program. If you would like to help support us and join our community of patrons, you can do so through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. There you can find ways to not only help us grow the show, but also get access to exclusive merch, live streams, behind-the-scenes content, and even early access to upcoming episodes. That's patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. We hope to see you in the future. Or is it past? What's up, guys? This is Dave from Talking Backwards, the Twin Peaks podcast. Coming up is part two of our first episode on the pilot of Twin Peaks. If you're a first-time listener and just getting started with us, hit pause now, go watch the pilot of Twin Peaks, then go back and listen to part one of our podcast so we're all up to speed on the roller coaster of wacky and wonderful that is this series. I'll give you a second to do this. Okay, now that we're all caught up, let's get back to where we left off with FBI Special Agent Dale Cooper examining the body of social butterfly Laura Palmer, whose fingernail held a small letter R. I've been a big fan of this series since about 10 years ago, while Patrick, our scholar, is a recent addict, and Tyler, our newcomer, is seeing all of these episodes for the first time. Let's see what they have to say on episode 1, part 2 of Talking Backwards. So Cooper finds the R under the nail, and we're not really sure what that means. But uh, we cut immediately, again, after the voice recording to Diane. Uh, we have Donna pulling up to Big Ed's gas farm, and uh, he gives her the note. It's to meet James at the roadhouse at 9.30. And everyone is going to meet at the roadhouse at 9.30. Yes. It's just the set time. We're going to yes. be doing that. This is also a, a time in the world where notes are still a thing. Right. So passing notes in <laughs> outside of a classroom is still an effective way of communicating. Yes. We're not making calls because no. we have to be transferred. That's, you're right. You are right. <laughs> So anyway, Mike shows up outside the gas station to establish that he sucks and tell yeah. Donna to go home, pretty much. Bobby has been taken in, I think. We get uh, Coop and Truman with Laura's journal at the police station. Uh, he just busts it open because they don't have the key. Uh, we find out that she was nervous about meeting Jay, and they find a safety deposit box key and what's probably traces of cocaine. So Laura is not a goody-two-shoes. We've established that now, and we are learning a little more about her every moment. Uh, the scene closes with... Uh, Cooper going through some of the evidence and picks up a box says, Diane, I'm holding in my hand a box of chocolate bunnies. <laughs> oh, man. Lucy gets a call from Andy, who is at the crime scene. They found it. And uh, again, he's just sobbing. He can't handle it. Yep. Uh, this, this scene actually hurt me, like watching this That's the one right where he tells her not to tell Sheriff Truman. Yeah, tell him, tell him I didn't cry. Yeah. And it's, it's just clearly really bothering him. He just keeps saying it's so horrible. It's so awful. And this is where we find out, I guess, Lucy and Andy are together. Well, she calls him sweetie, but we don't know if she's just being nice. Right. Okay. Um, she does it a couple times, but we don't know what that really means for right. them just yet. Okay. So we have Bobby being interrogated by Cooper. Uh, he's being a dick about it, as per usual. He shows him video footage of a picnic, but he keeps referring to it as pictures. Yeah, shooting pictures. Which I thought was really odd. Which I, yeah, I thought it was strange too. And then I was assured of my thinking it was strange when Donna's um, dad called it a video. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. I'm but not, even I'm in, not just in Donna's interrogation too, they call it pictures. Yeah. She calls them pictures. Right. It makes me wonder if having video was an afterthought, but yeah. they'd already shot the scenes. Right. But but it's there in the scene with them. I, I don't know. I can't explain it, and I won't explain it. Yeah. Uh, while they're interrogating Bobby, Moving uh, pictures. Cooper pretty well susses out that Bobby is not guilty, uh, types out he did not do it to Truman. So now we see the sociopathic side of Audrey, 
who is just pushing a pencil into a coffee cup at the Great Northern <laughs> and impishly pulls it out and cackles like a fiend when coffee goes everywhere. Clearly so bored yeah. Yeah. at the Great Northern. But getting a lot of enjoyment out of making other people upset. Right? Yes. Uh, she goes into the room with the Norwegians who, again, are talking about something. She I don't goes know. in there to check out the ridiculous smorgasbord. The ridiculous smorgasbord. <laughs> She kind of just struts around playfully before she sighs heavily to get everyone's attention mm-hmm. and mentions that her dear friend, Lara, was found completely naked and brutally murdered. Yes. Uh, apparently, there's only one guy that speaks English because he's the only one that speaks to her, but passes this along to everyone in the room. <laughs> what is wrong? Young, pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also love. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think she's 25 at the time of this filming. Right. And definitely does not look like she's in high school. No. A young, pretty girl, sure. Yeah. I I don't know. uh, The the whole scene is just really strange. Uh, I found out what it's about later. Bobby is kind of released from the interrogation and has Mike waiting for him in the hall because he's a bro. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tells him that they're looking for a biker that uh, probably had something to do with Laura. While Lucy very covertly takes notes of their conversation. Uh, Coop ends up talking to Donna in a scene that's way too long about the videos slash pictures. Uh... (laughs) She lies and says a hiker took the pictures. Yes. Couldn't remember their name. Right. Even though he's pretty explicitly said, like, did somebody with a J take these pictures? And yeah. she's like, mm-mm. She says, no, she didn't. They didn't tell us their name or something. I, I forgot. I thought they she didn't say. did pretty well on her, you know, just thinking on her feet, sticking yeah. with her story. It's a believable performance. Yeah. Uh, she does a good job of it. It's, it's one of those things where we know that that's wrong and Coop knows that that's wrong. Right. And watching her just kind of awkwardly trying to wriggle out of this and wondering how she's going to get caught. Uh, we immediately after this scene, we get five seconds of the perpetual mope daddy, James, just kind of sitting and looking. And then I there's think, yeah, nothing else to the scene. That was yeah. just to establish, that was the transition from the bike, right? To the bike. Yeah. I think that was just to establish that it was him. If you didn't put it together already. Yeah, which everybody did. Come on. Let's ask Tyler. It was his first time watching. I didn't. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't put together. He I, took the pictures. No. Would I have? We did see him on this bike earlier when he was at Big Ed's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So we did see the bike there. Yeah. He's but the only see... established person on a motorcycle at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't. I just didn't remember that fact. Right. Or the or the picnic comment in the that. hallway. Well, yeah. That that that, was so that meant away. nothing to me. But yeah. you did see. <laughs> The twirling guy in the background. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was focused on. <laughs> that guy. We will hitherto always refer to him as Dunk Jangle. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so there's... A, we're back to the Great Northern, and there's a mass exodus of Norwegians headed out. Benjamin Horn's trying to stop them. They cannot. <laughs> uh, they're long gone. Apparently, it's a big deal that they're going, but we still don't know why. Uh, Audrey watches on as they leave and just kind of giggles. Yeah, clearly a big deal has fallen through for Mr. Horn. Yeah, but this means nothing to her. The Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's just happy that she did it. Yes. Right. Yeah, she's very happy. Uh, we're back to the train car, which is the crime scene. We have Coop and Harry inside. They find a half of a heart necklace and a paper that says, Fire, Walk With Me, written in blood. That's kind of that scene. Uh, we cut to uh, Johnny Horn, who is Audrey's brother, in a giant Native American headdress, banging his yeah. head repeatedly against I, a dollhouse. Yeah, I missed, I, I don't know. I guess we hadn't heard anything about him at this point, have we? No, we don't know. We hadn't seen him at this all. That's time, his introduction yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah, the introduction shot is him hitting his head. I was so And confused. again, it's very long. <laughs> it's a very long shot. Yeah. Of just this person that we don't know in a headdress banging their head. Yeah. 
Who's Mrs. Horn? Sylvia. Is it Sylvia? Probably Sylvia. Uh, but uh, mentions that it's Audrey's brother. Right. And that uh, Laura usually comes to work with him. Mm-hmm. But we're not sure what that means yet. Uh, the rest of the family just kind of is content to sit and listen to him bang his head throughout the night. Uh, at the bank, Cooper and Truman walk into a room where there's just a giant deer head laying on a table. I love this, by the way. <laughs> I love it because she mentions it. She's like, oh, yeah, it fell. They didn't move it. And, right. then they just and they don't do anything else about it. They just work around it. Yeah, they just leave yeah, it there. I like, love it. This is <laughs> so the scene, great. Then. I love it. Uh, they open up the safety deposit box with the key from her diary and find $10,000 cash. Ten and, grand. Well, there must be over ten grand in here. And a copy of Flesh World. Yep. Cooper is very excited to find that there is a page mark. <laughs> so is Tyler mark. because he's a subscriber. I am. <laughs> yeah. He thought maybe it was his favorite page. Yep. It's true. Uh, we open up Flesh World to find a picture of Ronette Pulaski, I guess as an ad for an escort. Yes, that's what I assumed. And then very conveniently, a picture of Leo's truck in front of his house. I didn't understand that. Is this a local magazine? <laughs> with just user submitted pictures? <laughs> How did this get here? It is a town of more than 50,000 people. In what people. context? Did he did he write in a, a letter to Flesh World? This is my truck. Leo has a column <laughs> in Flesh World. <laughs> yes. I call this story Roland Conquest. <laughs> Tales from the Road. Got new, Leo Johnson. Got a new pair of shoes this week. <laughs> well, we find out that Leo does need a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Leo needs a new pair of shoes. I laughed so hard. It's one of the best lines. One of the best lines. It's so funny. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So we haven't met Leo yet, but we see this truck, which we remember from the brake stomping sequence when uh, Bobby drops Shelly off. So we know that this is Shelly's old man, but we don't know who that is. It transitions from the photograph to the shot of the truck in front of the house, where we find Leo, who is right off the cuff, just an arbitrary dick bag, who... Just a bag of dicks. I feel like... I feel like he is somebody who's probably never had a mean bone in his body, hired off the street to play a bad guy and given no lines ahead of time. Right. Yeah. Yes. Like that he is has a to come up with description. <laughs> like he has had to come up with all of his lines in the moment. Yeah. Given a method fast act- and loose example. He's a method actor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is Shelly's husband. Yep. So I guess Shelly, is she high school age? Have we established I, I, yeah. this? Like she's getting off work at the diner at 530 in the morning. Yeah, but she's not going to I school think, after. Well, I don't no. know that it's been, I don't know when it gets established, but I feel like it does get established. And this is not a major spoiler is that she's a high school dropout, I believe. But I think that comes, but also is married, but is married to this dropout guy. who is married. Uh, we, we figure out that Leo <clears throat> is pretty unstable because he threatens to snap her neck like a twig if he finds another cigarette that is not his in the house. He's a violent boy. Poor Shelly. Very aggressive. Poor you Shelly. smoke one kind of cigarette from now on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's, okay, Leo. Horrible rules. And uh, imagine Amic playing yes. Shelly. Beautiful young lady. Love and a, a beautiful current lady as well. Yep. Aged like a fine wine. Or a cheese. A Norwegian a Norwegian, a Norwegian <laughs> cheese. So uh, Ed's at home, uh, gets a call from Norma, and this is while Nadine is obsessively opening and closing drapes. And they're, yeah, making sound, which is clearly established. Yes. And so they decide that they're going to also meet up at the roadhouse at 930. 
Uh, they are secretly seeing each other, even though they are both married. Which doesn't matter. It does not matter in this town. Uh, we cut hard to a town meeting. Harry explains the dynamic of the Horns, the Martells, and the Packards to uh, not only Agent Cooper, but to us, the viewers. Mm-hmm. We find out who the Packards were, that Josie had a husband who ran the Packard sawmill. He has passed. His sister was Catherine Martell, who is married to Pete Martell. And Josie got the control over the mill instead of Catherine, and that's why they do not like each other. Right. Do we talk about the mayor? Can we talk about the mayor real quick? <laughs> is this I'd thing on? <laughs> <laughs> is this he's, thing on? He's three feet away from the microphone and cannot understand why he's not heard. <laughs> I gotta watch that. Ladies and gentlemen, I can have your attention. He's standing arm's length away from a microphone. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Hang on, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> it makes such a loud noise when he hits it. <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yep. So the mayor of Twin Peaks, uh, like the town itself, is 10,000 years old. but we have the whole crew here like we can see everybody pretty much that's a major player that we've been introduced to uh we've seen them and they have now been explained to us why they matter uh so at this town at this town meeting where cooper reveals that uh he found evidence that the murder in the town may be related to another murder he investigated so it might be in a different part of the state yeah different part of the state but also that the killer may not be a stranger and that this was not random. Uh, they instituted curfew. Which that also, like, I mean, uh, it was it was really clear to me, especially when he was looking for the letter in the fingernail, that this is clearly something he needed to look for, as if it had already happened. So that was, that already, I remember in my first watch, that had me thinking, like, okay, clearly this, something like this has happened already, so, because why would he, why would the FBI come in right away? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like he knew beforehand that he needed to be there. Right. The only reason the FBI came anyway is because some, like, I guess Ronnie crossed a state line or something oh, right. like yeah. that. That's yeah. the only reason the FBI got involved. Right. And I didn't put that together until yeah. this watch through. Okay. That, yeah, w- that we had a girl missing who had crossed state lines. And so it was no longer Sheriff Truman's jurisdiction. Right. And yeah, they had to bring him in. So we have this idea that Cooper has sort of a gift for this kind of thing. He also says her name, right? The first girl? Yes. Teresa Banks. Pretty sure he says it in the meeting. That that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that happens. So they institute this curfew right before we get to uh, the Hayward household, where Dr. Hayward tells his wife, Eileen, who is the 29th character we're introduced to. Wow. That uh, they have found the heart necklace from the train car and uh, that they think the killer has the other half. Donna overhears this. And from her face, seems to know that she knows who has the other half. Uh, She goes to her sister, Harriet. I definitely have seen her in some 90s movie. She looked so familiar. She does have that. I mean, she has a striking face. Yeah. By that. I'd be curious. I I was going to say, go to IMDb. (laughs) Let's look that one up. She is not in any movie. So she's not in anything confirmed? Nope. Wow. Well, she was in things, but not from things I know. Oh heard but yeah her her delivery is very strange she's writing poetry maybe yeah my favorite part of that well besides her just like doing that and then i don't know if it's just the bad acting or what but she's just like yeah i got you or whatever and then like as soon as i know i'm jumping ahead here but as soon as her dad walks in he's just like yeah like, i'm gonna give i'm gonna give it to you straight i'm gonna give it to you straight yeah 
So uh, she goes to her her sister Harriet, who wants help with a title of a poem. She's not trying to give her that. Uh, she needs cover so she can sneak out to whoever has the necklace and let them know that people know. Uh, Harriet says that she'll do it if she puts air in her bike tire. So Donna slips out right before drunk Mike and drunk Bobby show up to the door to look for Donna. Also, uh, best part of this scene is Doc Hayward saying, you boys aren't drinking and driving, and it cuts to a shot of Bobby with a beer on the hood of the car. <laughs> surfing. Hanging yeah, surfing. on the hood of the car. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no. oh, no, uh, Bobby's doing the driving. So uh, Mike and Bobby also figure out that they need to go to the roadhouse when they learn Donna is not home. Because as we've established, her father goes upstairs to look for her, and Harriet immediately (laughs) gives her away. I need you to cover for me. And she does not. No. Uh, Yeah, they decide they need to go to the roadhouse. It's probably about 9.30. (laughs) I would say somewhere close to 9.30. Because everybody kind of converges at the roadhouse at this point. Norma and Ed are there having their secret get-together at a very public place where a lot of people have decided to meet. Right. But they're being sneaky. Uh, (laughs) And they're discussing leaving their spouses for each other. We found out Norma has a husband named Hank who is in jail for murder. Yes. And we know that Ed's wife is a horrible screech beast with one eye. Yes. This is where we find out that the theme song has vocals. (laughs) Right. Yes. Julie uh, Cruz performing at the Roadhouse. And there's a band behind her, but this band is not playing this song. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very much like a church skit with people with inflatable (laughs) instruments while a backing track plays. (laughs) That really just stood out to me was the fact that (laughs) that is not what they are playing. But I was here for it because Julie Cruz is definitely singing the song. Yeah, And she also Uh, plays another song in this same scene. mm -hmm. Uh, The Nightingale. The Nightingale, yeah. Mm -hmm. And both of those are on that album she put out, I think, that year prior to... Twin Peaks debuting. They're also performing this synthy chill track for an entire bar full of bikers, where mm-hmm. apparently high school students are allowed. Yes, because uh, love Donna the vibe in. of this town. I'm here for it. Yeah, this town has everything. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this <laughs> this town at all. Well, Tyler's left the podcast. <laughs> Tyler's out. <laughs> so Donna gets there, and Bobby and Mike spot her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah please <laughs> like not subtle at all when she walks in yeah these high school kids just have to see Jeff just crawled in yeah as you do whatever it's fine they look like they're oh what a wonderful world <laughs> and Donna shows up damn whistle <laughs> That's what you do in a town. Why don't you whistle for a little backup? Slow down and not see that. See which way the wind's blowing. Lucy, get us a backup unit down here at the roadhouse right away. Make that two backup units. Call Dr. Hayward. Tell him we found his daughter and she's fine. All right, Sheriff. Cooper proves. All right, so Donna walks into the roadhouse. Mike sees her. Screams at her. Screams. Oh man, Mike is so angry. (laughs) So yeah, he gets up and pretty much immediately puts his hands on her and starts shaking her for too long before anybody steps in. Yeah, Uh, and that somebody is Big Ed, who immediately gets taken down by Bobby, who calls him a grease monkey. They say lights out, grease monkey. Is that the line? Lights out, grease monkey. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So he's handled pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, uh, A friend of James's, we guess, uh, sneaks Donna out 
while these two high school football players beat up an entire bar of bikers. <laughs> bikers, yeah. While synth music plays. Yeah. And uh, they're, the, they're the only ones that get in trouble. Yep. Yep. All right. And that cool, this is in one of my favorite scenes, which we will get to pretty quickly. Um, I know what it is. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Donna gets snuck out to James, uh, being followed by Cooper and Sheriff Truman. They talk for a little bit about the fact that Laura was with James the night that she died. Uh, he tells Donna that she kind of freaked out and that she told him Bobby may have killed somebody. And that's kind of as far as that conversation goes. Yeah. Uh, says Bobby may have killed somebody. Yeah, they just say that they need to bury the necklace because she knows he has it. And uh, they just bury it on the road under a rock real quick. Long story short, uh, they get caught by Harry and Cooper and uh, James gets taken to a holding cell while they have Dr. Hayward pick Donna up. And Doc, who is very trusting, just kind of dismisses the fact that Donna snuck out to a bar after curfew. Yeah. Because she the must night, have had a good reason. Right. Yeah. The night after. The Laura night after died. a murder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a broken scene. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, James gets taken into the holding cell where they have Bobby and Mike, where Bobby really just kind of looks at him like he's shocked, but also like getting tickled. Yeah. Like he's he's happy that he's there, but doesn't know what to do with all this kinetic energy. Yeah. <laughs> so naturally. Yeah. I mean, we've all we've all been in this situation. No, not me. Where you just you can't you don't know what to do. You have to do something and then what do you do? You just start barking. You bark. <laughs> yeah. And Mike obviously is on board with yeah, this. Yeah, he joins right yeah. in. He's like, oh yeah. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. It, it's almost as if they've done this before. It's like this is their thing. <laughs> right. But that was not established beforehand. Right. Like this is Mike yeah. and Bobby are the barking The bark boys. This, these are the bark boys. <laughs> bark this boys is how Twin they Peaks. Down. <laughs> and uh they really bark loudly at James until Bobby I, I don't know, comes, maybe. Sure. <laughs> the best it's part the best part too is those shots of James <laughs> where he's just same face. Same face, just and the camera's at. just kind of panning, and he's just... And then screamed at for a yeah. few seconds yeah. before Bobby finally climaxes so right. with rage. Um, <gasps> in scene. In, yeah, and scene. scene. That's it. And it's just it's such a weird cut. Uh, so <laughs> we cut really hard to Cooper and Harry sitting down to a giant table of donuts. Giant uh, table of donuts. The policeman's dream. The policeman's dream. Uh, Lucy does it every night. She's just that kind of gal. Yeah, that's a lot of donuts. All we all we really get out of the scene is that uh, Cooper needs a place to stay for the night, and this is what establishes him uh, staying at the Great Northern. I kind of wondered with if a, this with scene, a great rate. right? I kind of wondered if this scene was. I don't want to say it was improvised, but I almost feel like Sheriff Truman said his line too early because he says he immediately says, "Where can I stay?" You know, or whatever, mm-hmm. and get a great rate, and he goes to the Great Northern, and then Coop goes right into this whole, you know, spiel. I need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Maybe then he's like, "Where can I stay?" And then, early? then again, he's just like, "The Great Northern." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, I get you, did you, the Great Northern. Did you say your line too yeah. early? <laughs> It really does feel like it that. It does feel like that. But it's it also works so because... Straight. It does. It works. Because it's like, this type to like have a lot to say and he's going to say it. Yeah, he's going to say it regardless. Regardless of what you... I just if, want you to make you sure right answer, yeah. <laughs> that you hear what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, I hear you, but this is what I need. Does that still apply? Right. It yeah. does? 
awesome. Diane Sheriff's going to get me a rate at the Great Northern. Who yeah. the hell is Diane? <laughs> we don't know who Diane is. Oh, uh, Diane. But uh, at this point, we just kind of accept that that's what he does when he goes to record. He talks to Diane. After this, the sheriff goes and meets Josie Packard. Yep. Uh, and they Where that gets us? revealed. <laughs> yeah. Sheriff's because together. guess what? They're banging. And they're right out in front of the, I guess, the house for the sawmill. Yeah. Because uh, Catherine Martell is watching them from inside. Tell someone over the phone that the sheriff is there again and uh, she's told that they should meet and talk about it and it's revealed that that is Benjamin Horn and then somebody comes and digs up the buried necklace we don't know who and that is the end of the episode and well Sarah Palmer sees that yes I have that written down yeah it's a vision that is she that, sees it happen does she or is it I think it's or implied. was it just a it's clever implied. cut I think it's implied she or has the not? vision that the that someone comes and picks up yeah because she starts freaking yep. out and then it cuts to that and I think it's implied that she's having a vision that someone is picking up a necklace see I missed that but that is really cool if that's the truth yeah so we have a gloved hand also cut back to that and put a freeze frame the shot of her screaming I know it's really weird but it needs to be done. So it is cut in a way yeah, we, that we, makes you think. Okay, yeah, we have a shot of Sarah Palmer asleep yep. on the couch, and then we cut to this guy coming to dig this up. Pause. Look up in the mirror. Is that a mirror or is that a framed picture? That is a mirror. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay, I just got goosebumps. I never it, saw this. <laughs> Okay, this is this is the first instance of this, and I thought it was not until the next Did episode. Did I just blow your mind? My mind just actually got blown because I just realized that when Sarah Palmer wakes up from her vision on the couch, she is actually seeing a man with gray hair in her room or in the living room. And you can see him in the mirror in the top of this shot. And I completely missed this. And I am terrified. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> Please tell her. Say what you're thinking. So you, you just said she was seeing this. Guy. I was saying. Well, I think. Well, you can say he took it more than I thought. I, I didn't really think that she was seeing what was in the mirror. That that could be true. I think for sure she was seeing the vision of the the guy the necklace. Up. Yes, 100. percent So you did not mean to give me a heart murmur. Oh, I did mean to do that too because I knew that was there. Wow. I'm happy to explain this further. <laughs> this this was an accident. That shot really? with him in the and with Frank Silva, who we know who plays this character, uh, the well, man with I, the gray hair. Yeah, yeah, the man with the gray hair, who you see in episodes two and three, which Tyler has seen. Spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> which Tyler's seen. Um, he. This was an accident. Uh, David Lynch loved it, and that's how he got cast. That's incredible. So he it's was because on, like, David Lynch. Crew? David Lynch. Yeah, he was like a set decorator. David Lynch like loves this kind of like happy accidents like he like i feel like he thrives on this kind of stuff when something's like not supposed to happen like that and he's like oh that was meant to be that was like meant to be so and then he found out he was an actor (laughs) so he's like that's great you're you're on board (laughs) like welcome to the team that is great um So I, again, every time I watch this show, there is <laughs> something, something to else. see. I know. There's something new to find. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, it's been probably 10 years since I started watching the show, and a lot of it is still a little hazy to me on the rewatch, so I'm kind of putting it back together. I learned things just from sitting here talking that I never found as a fan before. Right. And this is, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> 
And I'm really excited to get into that's, the rest of these episodes. That's the tagline for the show. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that on a poster. And it's I, it's these little moments. It's these moments that give you chills. The little details that have this effect that make me love this series. Patrick. Um. So the pilot. I mean, I can run through a few fun facts too. Otherwise, just about this. So this show. I think before it even got really like picked up, this ran as like an ABC, like Sunday night, like two hour movie or whatever, like a feature. It wasn't necessarily like billed as it being like, this is a new show. It's a very, but I think episode. they already must've had, cause I was looking at like the dates that it aired. I mean, they were already airing the episode one and two, like after this, like within a few weeks after it. So I don't, there's no way it could have been shot that quickly. They must've already been shooting, but I just know like as it originally aired, it was advertised as like a movie, but hmm. also I think this episode won a few Emmys. Yeah. It was nominated for eight Emmys including Best Drama, Best Writing, Best Directing, Best Production Design, Best Actor for Kyle MacLachlan, Best Director. And then Dwayne Dunham is his name, won Best Editing. And Patricia Norris won Best Costume Design for this episode specifically. I would say Dwayne definitely earned it. <laughs> yeah. I think he he edited a lot of them. You know, I'll, I'll have to we can just, fact check that as we go on. But. Yeah, as, as much footage as there is, as many cuts as there are, and how you can fit all of this into the time frame that they did, is a feat like obviously this has been a very long opening uh just because we had to cover a lot of initial introductions to characters we had to really figure out where we are what this is and we still don't know what this is right right now it's a small town murder mystery with some happy accidents it is technically a large town <laughs> it is technically a large town. set within a a small group of characters and by small i mean we have 32 by the end of the episode yeah but yeah but immediately on <laughs> even immediately i mean immediately seriously i mean sure count that um i mean on my first watch i was just hooked right away just from just because it's just so different um and i can see how this because i've read you know over the years i'd heard about twin peaks a lot before i ever watched it and so many people who've worked on many shows that i've loved have said that you know this was like an influence and there was really nothing like this most most shows back then tied up would tie up um their stories in an episode essentially this was almost like the first of its kind where it was like this is going to get dragged out you know and dragged out and dragged out with all these other things unraveling around it the beginning of primetime soaps yeah i mean it was and and this was had to be the first of its kind with mixing all this uh it's it's drama it's comedy it's horror it's it's uh sci-fi it's it's literally all of these things, to be honest. Yeah, melodrama. It's soap opera. It's so many genres. <laughs> um, I, I, it's, I don't know. It's, it captivated me, that's for sure. Tyler? It made me watch the second episode, <laughs> for sure. At no point, I think... Well, we gave Tyler this option. I told him, I said, you know, you can watch the first one. If you don't like it, you don't have to do this podcast. But you're sort of... You're sort of the hook for us doing this podcast because it's the fun, this is the fun part is you don't know anything, mm-hmm. which is so great. I don't. I'd give anything to 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 do it all over again <laughs> with, <laughs> right? But I but it's fun to do it all again, even knowing because I'm still like you said, I'm still catching things, and that's what's so fun about it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I watched episode one twice this week, and mostly because I didn't take notes the first time. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you wouldn't want to do yeah, yeah, yeah you wouldn't want to do that because you'll miss yeah especially if you have to like pause or something it's like you'll just get taken out of the out of the moment yeah I, I'm sorry can we get the still off the screen <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking it's not, you out it's not a huge deal but man it's every time I look up I just 
Do we need to turn more lights on? <laughs> no, yeah. the, the mood's perfect in here. Um, no, I really, I think it's hard to find a show like this, um, especially now, even though there's so much content being produced there is. and released every day. Um, I feel like there's nothing that I've ever seen that's really fit in with this show that is so many different genres. Um, but it's very, very compelling, and I'll definitely keep watching it. Um, I don't like the fact that I will have to watch it slowly <laughs> to stay in pace with the podcast. <laughs> um, I told Patrick before yeah. we decided to do episode three, I was like, I texted him after I finished episode two. I said, I'm hooked, and I'm very upset that I can't watch episode three. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's really good. I like it. I am. My only question is right now is like, who is Diane? <laughs> I want to know who Diane We're is. We're not worried about who killed Laura Palmer. No. We need to know who Diane I is. I need to know That's who Diane is. That's the overarching is. mystery. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's a must watch. Very cool. I see it. I've even seen it keep coming up, uh, on a lot of like, uh, top, show lists of all time or the must watch shows on you know netflix or whatever you know those those yeah. kind of articles yeah twin peaks is always somewhere. i mean for it to be almost right at 30, yeah, 30 years, years old, exactly yeah no it is it, i mean even i'm i'm almost positive this takes place in 89 it, yeah, like it does 89. i saw something yeah. earlier so it takes place a year a before it takes 89. place a year before it aired right um yeah it's because that, that probably kept it current too while still yeah. feeling like it had a little bit of an older feel to it mm-hmm. yeah and it definitely works uh, for sure but uh that's the pilot uh that's also our pilot uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i apologize to listeners for all this information at once we'll go into the next couple uh under the assumption that the episodes have been watched do please watch along with us so that you know what we're talking about and you have the images in your mind definitely encourage anybody to watch this series uh if it's just for the podcast great if it's for your personal enrichment even better but uh one way or the other this is a, a show you should definitely watch. There's something for everybody, like I said before. Absolutely. There, there is intrigue. There's drama. There's comedy. Uh, there's a lot to put together and a lot to keep you coming back, I think. Yeah. This has been Talking Backwards. We'll see you next time for episode one. If you like what you hear on Talking Backwards, you can find us at Talking Backwards Pod on Instagram and TalkingBackwardsPod at gmail.com. If you have any feedback about Talking Backwards or you have a question for one of us or possibly a fun fact about an upcoming Twin Peaks episode, you can send it in to us at anchor.fm slash talkingbackwards. Welcome to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. Podcast? I don't think that's it. It's one of those. <laughs> Anchor.gov slash... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I will. I'm trying to log in now to figure it out, but it's definitely one of those.